Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Okay, so we've made it to episode 18, the 6th of Teves for the It Is Taught podcast. And we are continuing on with chapter 6, which we started last time. So if you remember, and you can go back and listen to it if you haven't already, last time we were talking about the animal soul. And we were talking about how the animal soul was made in such a way that is very similar to the godly soul. So it's sort of like a counterpart, like the evil twin, so to speak, of the animal soul, of the godly soul. So what that means is that just as the godly soul is made up of 10 parts, so too is the animal soul made up of 10 parts that are divided into three intellectual attributes and then seven emotive attributes. And then just as the godly soul has three garments, which it uses to perform its mission in the world, namely keeping Torah and mitzvah, which are thought, speech, and action, so too does the animal soul have these three garments of thought, speech, and action that allow it to go about its evil ways. So evil ways, let's talk about that. So that's actually what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. What might come to mind when you think of, you know, something negative, something evil, what does the animal soul do already? What does it make a person do? So you might be thinking the worst possible things, robbing a bank, murdering somebody, God forbid, you know, um, abusing children, you know, yelling at your spouse, whatever it is, all that stuff. So the altar says, no, that's not actually what we're talking about here. It said he says here, and he makes it very, it's very sobering and it's quite intense what he says in this section that we're about to learn, which is that what constitutes the garments of the animal soul and what it does. So he specifically points to speech and thought, which are two of the, the garments. It's any speech and thought that is not for God and that is not for the will of God. For, it's not in line with the will of God, and it's not for the sake of fulfilling his service. So this is really intense if you think about that. And he says that this, anything that is not for the sake of God is coming from the other side. So we mentioned this before, the sitra achra literally means the other side. And so this is the side that is not holiness. And so, wow, so that's, that's really intense. And so what that's basically saying is there's no, neither, there's, you can't be neither here nor there when it comes to serving God. It's either God or not God, and there is no in between. So a person might think that they are, you know, a pretty holy person. Like they, you know, they go to shul, they um, pray, they, you know, they give charity, uh, you know, they're nice to their neighbors or whatever, but, you know, do they think of themselves, do they think of every single thing in their life as being God, 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 and focused on God? 
I mean, not necessarily, you know, they might even while they're serving God be thinking more about themselves. Like they might be seeing it as that I am a good person. Look at me. I am going and giving charity. Um, or, you know, maybe they go to work and when they're working, they say, oh, look at me. I am going to work. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to feed my family. I'm going to do all these things, you know, and there's my boss. And then they think about their boss and how they want to please their boss and the clients and all that kind of stuff. And what the ultra is basically saying here that anytime a person has a thought or about anything or speaks in any way that is not in line with God's will and not only is not in line with God's will, but is not for the sake of serving God then this is a problem. And this is so much of a problem that God cannot dwell in such a person. So you may have heard this phrase. I think it's from, or this teaching, I think it's from some Eastern source. I don't know where exactly, but it is relevant here of this idea that you can't pour tea into a full full cup, right? So that's really what it's talking about is it says here basically that the side of holiness can only dwell in a place that is totally nullified to God and totally nullified to holiness. So just like we see with the angels, for example, the angels are totally, totally nullified to God. And this is why they're able to be so powerful and to fulfill God's will will in the way that he wants them to. And the altar teaches us here that every single Jewish person has this power to be just as nullified to God as the angels are to really, really have this self-sacrifice, this Mesilas Nefesh, we call it in Hebrew, for God. And we see this from the teaching where it says that even one person who sits and learns Torah, so this might apply to you right at this very instant. While you are learning Torah, you might be listening to this podcast on your own. If a person like you is sitting and learning by yourself, learning Torah, then God dwells within that person because at that moment when the person's learning Torah, their focus is entirely on God. And then all the more so if you have a group of 10 people that are learning together, then God definitely will dwell in a very real way within these 10 people. But then by contrast, let's say if somebody is not totally nullified to God, and this again, it's really intense. It's not saying that somebody's outright, you know, doing something horrible that you might be thinking, but it's merely the fact that a person might think that they are an entity unto themselves, then they are not able to receive the full vitality of godliness in a truly inner way, in its full glory. So let's think about that for a second. So that what that's basically what that's basically saying is if you think about that, then you have people in the world, it's very common to talk about does God exist? Do we know if God exists? What is God? You know, all that kind of stuff. But the altar over here is bringing that whole question to a whole new level. He's saying the question is not about God existing or not. The question is how dare a person even think that they have their own independent existence? Because to think that you have your own independent existence is outright a rebellion against God. And it's it blocks your vitality from being you, it blocks you from receiving your full vitality from God in a true and inner kind of way. So then the question comes up, you know, we see people who are alive all around the globe who don't necessarily think like this. And, you know, they proclaim themselves to be agnostics, atheists, or even religious people, but they're religious, but they do see themselves as something apart from God. 
So how is it that these people exist? So the altar explains is he says that, yes, okay, so they're not, these people are not receiving their vitality in an inner way, but they still do receive their vitality. How are they receiving their vitality? In a way, which we call in Hebrew, the achoraim. So again, if you'll notice the similarity to the word achoraim is uh, like from the sitra achra, the other side. So they're receiving it in this like kind of backhanded manner. Kind of like if you picture it as if somebody's like, just like, okay, here, like throwing something at you from behind, from behind, like from behind their back. And the way that this happens is that what is this vitality that comes from the Aharaim is that God's vitality had to descend so low through many, many, many levels of what we call Hishtalshilus Ha'olamos. So it's the descent of the worlds and this kind of like chain reaction of cause and effect, cause and effect of many, many, many constrictions until the light and vitality becomes so small until it can become so, so, so constricted to be able to be manifest in this exiled place where there can be this illusion that something exists other than God. And so basically, so the light that an entity receives, if it sees itself as being something other than God, is God's light, but it's coming down in such a constricted and and like a dwindled down way, basically. And so that's where they're receiving their vitality from. So that's where they're getting their existence from and that's how they're able to exist and not revert to not in nothingness as they were before they were created. So we've reached the end of the section of today and we will continue tomorrow when we conclude chapter six of Likutayamarim and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.